And sometimes things don't go as we would plan. And it's always wise to cry out to the Lord. When trouble is upon us, don't try to make excuses. Don't try to uh, maybe perhaps deal with the situation until you've prayed. Oftentimes we try to deal with things before we pray and we just make matters worse. But Moses here, he's doing a little complaining himself. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Tonight we're going to be looking at Exodus 5 and 6, chapters 5 and 6. Now bless us, Lord, as we look into your Word. May it fill our hearts with joy, but also, Lord, help us to learn. Help us to see the account of the children of Israel, of Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh and all that they went through. Lord, bring application to us in the day that we live in as well. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so again, no straw, same quote of verses 10 through 13. He kind of now just He already told us what they were going to do. Now they enacted the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out, spoke to the people saying, thus says Pharaoh, we will not give you straw. Go get yourself straw where you can find it. Yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. We, again, just reminded me of uh, being in South Sudan. It was several years ago in 2009, but we were up on uh, Mount Gordon. Mount Gordon was a British major in the British military. He had uh, jurisdiction over that region back in the late 1800s. Charlton Heston did a movie called Khartoum that portrayed the life of Major Gordon and how he was actually killed in Khartoum. But he fought against slavery back in the late 1800s. We went up to Mount Gordon, which is, my direction is right north of Nimli, where we were staying. The ladies, they did... Besides cooking, they gathered wood and they got water. And the gathering of wood and the getting of water occupied much of their day. In fact, the Sudanese men plainly said that men don't carry water. I guess if they don't have a woman, they do. But that is their custom there. The point I was making while we were traveling up to Mount 
Gordon, we saw two ladies way up that mountain gathering wood, and they would gather long sticks, twigs, put them in a bundle, carry them on their back, but they were far away from town. And we asked about that, and they said, well, because the need of wood, they didn't, it wasn't a woody area. And so as they gathered, and this would be the same thing for uh, Israel trying to get straw. You know, initially you gather everything that's near, but once you consume all that, you have to keep getting further and further and further. When we saw these two women, they were miles away from Nimli where they lived. This was a similar issue as they made these bricks using the straw to strengthen the sun-dried bricks that they were using in ancient Egypt at that time. One of the commentators years ago said that they discovered an area where the bricks had garbage, stubble, dirt, trying to, he was assuming, that they found the time when Israel was making bricks without the provided straw that it connected to this story. I can't confirm that, but it is interesting. So 14 through 19, we continue on. So the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, why have you not fulfilled your task in making bricks, both yesterday and today and as before? And the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants. And they say to us, Make bricks. And indeed, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. And he said, You are idle, idle. Therefore, you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, now go and work, for no straw shall be given to you. Yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. So the leaders of Israel went to Pharaoh. They gained an audience and said, you have given us an impossible command. But Pharaoh believed after the pressing of the Egyptian whips, Israel would forsake Moses and Aaron and their desire to worship God. After their meeting with Pharaoh, they knew they were in trouble. They were being impressed more and more. Ecclesiastes 5.8, Solomon would write, If you see the oppression of the poor, the violent perversion of justice and righteousness in the uh, providence, do not marvel at the matter, for high official watches over high official, higher officials over them, that... You can always trace it back. The oppression of the poor, perversion of justice and righteousness. High official watches over a high official. And even over them is someone higher. That the corruption is in the government itself when the poor are being oppressed. So why are we in trouble? They would ask verses 20 through 23. We finish out this chapter. They came out from Pharaoh, and the elders of the children of Israel met with Moses and Aaron and stood there to meet them. His plan nearly worked. The leaders came to Moses and Aaron saying, verse 21, Let the Lord look to you and judge, because you have made us 
abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. But Moses did a wise thing. After hearing the leaders in Israel complain, it tells us Moses returned to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord. And sometimes things don't go as we would plan. And it's always wise to cry out to the Lord. When trouble is upon us, don't try to make excuses. Don't try to uh, maybe perhaps deal with the situation until you've prayed. Oftentimes we try to deal with things before we pray and we just make matters worse. But Moses here, he's doing a little complaining himself. He says, Lord, verse 22, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. So Moses is wondering, God, what are you up to? Now we'll find some of that answer in chapter 6. But may I suggest a few things that might help us today. First, God was getting the taste of Egypt out of Israel's, we would say the taste of Egypt out of Israel's mouth. This was all they'd known. It was all they were accustomed to. But now they were abhorrent to the children of Israel. Egypt, and they knew that they were not wanted there. One would think that their bondage would have been enough reason for Israel to want to leave Egypt. Yet if we take this to a spiritual level, we discover that there are a lot of Christians who are very comfortable living in the fallen condition of this world. Rather, staying in Egypt. In the Bible, Egypt is always seen as the world. It's a type of the world. When we speak about Egypt, we speak about a type of the world. And they had grown comfortable living in Egypt. Second, God allowed Israel to go through this great labor. I've already mentioned this because he was taking a group of slaves, forming them into a nation and preparing them for future battles. They needed the rigor, the hard labor to prepare them for the difficulties that would come upon their nation. Finally, God used Pharaoh's hardness of heart to reveal to Israel and to Egypt that there is no God like the God of Israel who rules over the heavens and the earth. In James verses 2 and 3 of chapter 1, James said, My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. The testing of our faith produces patience. The New American Standard says it produces endurance. The Revised Standard Version says it produces steadfastness. The NIV, perseverance. So may the Lord get the desire of Egypt, the world out of our hearts, that he might give us the patience, the endurance, the steadfastness, the perseverance to live for him in the day that we find ourselves in. In chapter 6, Moses wondering in chapter 5, Lord, what are you up to? God introduces himself to Moses, to the children of Israel, in a different way than he had 
to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I picked two verses as key verses, verses 2 and 3, which says, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But my name, Yahweh, Lord, I was not known to them. So here, God takes the children of Israel to a more intimate level of communion with God himself. God revealed to Israel, to Moses, a new name that they had not known of the Lord before. This is YHWH, Yahweh. We get Jehovah from this. He said, I am the Lord. And he would say this as we go through this chapter four times. He keeps reminding them, I am the Lord. In verses one through four, then the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. So in chapter five, I said, Moses was wondering, God, what are you up to? God responds, chapter six, verse one, now you're going to see what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will let them go. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of the land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. That's El Shaddai. But I, by my name, Yahweh, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them and give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. So God let Moses know that Pharaoh will not only let the children of Israel go, that Pharaoh himself will drive them out of the land. Pharaoh will let them go. Pharaoh will drive them out of the land. I was wondering about this name, and it, it just caused me a little more head scratching, but I looked up the complete Jewish Bible. I wanted to see from a Jewish perspective, I am the Lord, if there's any difference in this. And so reading from the complete Jewish Bible, Exodus 6.1, Adonai said to Moshe, now you will see what I am going to do to Pharaoh. And with a mighty hand, he will send them off. With force, he will drive them from the land. So Adonai said to Moshe, Adonai, the Lord, except made me scratch my head a little bit because we look at the Hebrew language and it was not Adonai that was being used here. It was the YHWH. So he's sharing a new name with them. By the time God finished with Egypt, the Egyptians will beg Pharaoh to let Israel go. In Exodus 12, 31 through 33, we'll get a little preview of this. That Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Arise, go out from among my people that you and your children of Israel go and serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks, your herds, as you have said, and be gone and bless me also. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we shall all be dead. So by the time God finishes with the nation of Egypt, Egypt couldn't get Israel out of their land fast enough, as we will see as we continue in our study. 
So the YHWH, God appeared to the patriarchs, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he revealed himself to them as El Shaddai, God Almighty. He did not reveal himself to them as Yahweh. In Genesis 17, 1, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am Almighty God. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. We also discover that God revealed to Moses his name, YHWH. It is uh, that which we translate, as I said, Jehovah, Yahweh. We're familiar with that, but we're not quite sure how it should be pronounced because the Jews so revered the name of God that they never inserted vowel sounds. So all we have is the consonants of Y-H-W-H. And so we don't quite know how it should be pronounced, but it is a name that is believed to mean to be or to become or to exist. G. Campbell Morgan said, the name reveals the fact that of God's ability to become to his people whatever the need demands. The YHWH reminds Moses of his covenant with the patriarchs and their descendants. God had promised Abraham in Genesis 17, 7 and 8, I will establish my covenant between me and your descendants after you for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, I will be their God. So he's reminding Moses, I am the Lord, I am El Shaddai. When I appeared before Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they only knew me as El Shaddai. But God said to Moses, I am Yahweh. In verses 5 through 8, And I have heard the groaning of the children of Israel, God speaking. I have heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, I am Yahweh. I will bring you up from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, with great judgments. I will take you as my people. I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you up into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. The third time the Lord used that phrase. I am Yahweh. God reveals his plan to Moses to rescue and redeem the children of Israel. He said, I'm going to do that with an outstretched arm, with great judgments. And we find that God's judgments against Egypt, they initially had two effects. First, it caused the children of Israel to come out of Egypt with a reverential fear, a love for the Lord himself. God did rescue, God did redeem the children of Israel, knowing that the Lord had fought for them and redeemed them with the outstretched arm or with his strength. Second, these judgments against Egypt would cause the Egyptians 
to fear and to dread the Lord. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord and why should I listen to him? And God said, I'll show you who I am. And they would fear and dread the Lord, but it would have a further effect. Some 40 years later, when the children of Israel would begin to go into the promised land, and when the two spies went into Jericho, and Rahab hid the spies on her rooftop, she shared, asking that her and her family would be remembered, she shared with the two spies of Israel, saying, and this is 40 years later, in Joshua 2, verses 8 through 10, Now before they lay down, she came up on the roof and said to the men, I know the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen upon us, that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. We've heard of you guys. They heard the work of the Lord. So once again, Yahweh reminds his people that he had heard their groanings, remembered his covenant. Therefore, he promised to rescue and to redeem them, to bring them into the promised land, to make them his own special people. That reminded me of 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10, where Peter reminds us that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. It is God who brings us into the, his family through the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from our sin. Let's go ahead and stand. Here on Wednesday nights, it's been a while, but I've been going through the ABCs of salvation. I have time, so I'll do it tonight. And the A, for those maybe listening on the radio or through social media, or maybe you're going to watch or hear this at a later time, but the A stands for admit. We need to admit to God that we are sinners and ask for his forgiveness. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have to admit to God that we are sinners. The B stands for believe. We need to believe in the work that Jesus did upon the cross, his death, burial, resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of the Father. And we have to receive that gift of salvation. Romans 5.8 tells us, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We have to believe in the work that Jesus did upon the cross. And the C, it stands for confess. To confess our faith in Jesus Christ, but also to share that faith with others, to confess it before others. Paul reminds us in Romans 10 verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And Romans 10:13, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
The ABCs of salvation. We have to admit to God that we are sinners. We need to believe in the work of Jesus Christ, that work that he did upon the cross. And we have to confess our sins before God. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much for being with us tonight as we've gathered to worship, to look into your word. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to gain a greater knowledge of who you are. Lord, I pray that your spirit would touch us in a fresh and new way as well. Not any way that goes against your word, but Lord, I'm just asking that you would just make yourself real to us in a fresh way. Give us courage, Lord, in the days that we find ourselves in. Again, Lord, we ask that you would be with those who are sick and suffering. I pray, Father, that you would be with your church throughout all the world. Help us, Lord, to stand strong in our faith. And Father, we pray that you would send revival upon this land. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. We'll be right back. 